You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Welcome to The Food Code. This is episode number two. I am Liz Roman. I am Becca Chilzenkowski. And we are super excited. We are actually getting our podcast studio, if you will, uh, built. So you might hear some noise behind the <laughs> audio track. So we apologize if that's what you hear. Um, they are making it happen downstairs. It's going to be amazing. Yes. We're going to be professional. But anyways, um, if you were not here with us on episode number one, just a quick brief description of why we're here. Um, our mission with the food code is basically to fight the diet culture. Um, we want to create knowledgeable, strong, in-tune individuals who are basically done with restricting themselves and are ready to take back their health. Yeah. So that's why we're here. That's what we're about. Um, and episode two today is going to be covering what we wish we knew when we started our journeys with nutrition and with, you know, bettering our health and weight loss in a way. Um, cause we want to share with you guys so that you don't make the same mistakes, uh, yes. because we, there's so much out there that is easy to get caught up in and stress over and that just don't matter. Yeah. And you, so we want to talk about them. Yeah. I think I told you when I was in Arizona, one of the guys there mentioned that he lost so much weight because of all of the confusion, conflicting information in the media he was trying to follow everything that he read and he became really unhealthy because there's so much mixed information out there and a lot of it is written by people who really don't know what they're talking about so also don't know you yeah because doing a bunch of different diets could definitely cause some issues um it can be also dangerous to a point Um, if your body does not respond well to certain things, like completely removing certain foods or adding too much of other foods, um, everyone's different and being able to know your body and having someone that's looking out for that is really important to go on this journey with. Yeah. And the education around how it fuels your body and why you feel so good when you're eating the foods that you're eating. So we thought we would dive in and just share things that we wish that we would have known when we were starting out. Um, I shared a little bit about my story and so did Becca in episode one, but both of us were overweight, uh, and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. We both were around 200 pounds and didn't have good relationship with food. We would restrict and then we would go out and I'm going to hashtag YOLO here. You only live once on the weekend and eat all the things that we didn't get to eat throughout the week and basically rebel, if you will. So yeah, I think about food the, rebels. I think about the amount. That is a good one. We might've just had an epiphany guys. <laughs> you were there for it. Um, I think about the amount of calories that I consumed some nights out with my friends. It is obscene. It is like going to the bars. First of all, you would go out and pre-party, 
which I would start at like 9 p.m. I go to bed at 9 p.m. now, but anyways, another lifetime. Um, You would start drinking at 9 p.m. You would go out to the bars and continue drinking until like 12 p.m. And then you'd go to Burrito King Mm. and eat a huge burrito. Or DP dough. (laughs) Or McDonald's drive-thru and order like $43 worth of McDonald's between three people. This happened, you guys. I think I even put the receipt up on my refrigerator because I was proud of it at one point. Um, And and then I would restrict the rest of the week because I felt awful about the amount of alcohol and food I consumed. But in that moment, you didn't care. Right? Because you were having fun. You thought you deserved it because you had a rough week or you, you know, restricted all these things. Um, You know, for me, I know I would stress eat chocolate chip cookies at Mm -hmm. work. You know, when I was walking into a stressful situation, I would turn immediately to the cookie to just kind of help me in the moment. And then that in turn spiraled emotionally and physically because emotionally I would beat myself up. Why couldn't I keep my shit together? And what was wrong with me? Then physically, I would feel bad because I would eat this garbage uh, and the cookie may or may not even have been worth it, you know, or good. We'll talk about worth it or waste, uh, you know, later on. That's going to be part of the things that we share with you. But then I would, you know, feel lethargic. I would get tired. I would feel crappy. So we just want to help you not make a lot of the same mistakes that we did on our journey. Yeah. And I think this first one with restriction is the concept that when you restrict you tend to go so far in the opposite direction of consumption that it becomes this vicious cycle where you feel like you have to restrict because you overconsumed. When in reality, if you would maybe just allow yourself to have these things in small moderation throughout the week, if you're ha- if you want a glass of wine during the week, have a glass of wine during the week so that three weeks from then, when you haven't had wine all three weeks because you felt that you couldn't, you binge on two bottles. It's the concept of don't restrict because the mentality behind it often drives into overconsumption because you feel like it becomes a novelty. You feel like this food or this drink becomes a novelty that you weren't allowed. And so when you do finally allow it for yourself, you have to like you fit it all in. You mm-hmm. have to get it all in because you're not going to be able to have it for a long time again because you should be restricting it. Mm-hmm. And so you can enjoy things as long as you're not physically ill from certain things like allergic or have severe sensitivities there's nothing wrong with consuming things that you enjoy like a chocolate chip cookie or like you know a glass of wine or two on occasion there's nothing wrong with that and we found in our journey that this vicious cycle of restriction and binging Mm -hmm. created a really poor relationship with food Mm -hmm. um and so we we want you guys to understand that a good way to start this is decide to have something you enjoy during the week I think a lot of times the weekends are where it's where it's at. People yep. overconsume on the weekends, um, so why don't you you know plan on having ap- after a long day if you want a glass of wine during the week, have one, mm-hmm. and then it might not seem so special on the weekends mm-hmm. um, to where you feel like you have to have a lot of it. Or you know at a holiday Christmas party, have a cookie. There's nothing wrong with having a cookie in your day. Having a whole box of cookies because you've restricted all month of December, thinking that you know you have the holiday parties. That's usually what happens. So why not have one? Having one cookie, even every day of the week, nothing wrong with that. And so try to learn how to include moderation things of foods you love so that they don't become such novelties. Yeah, and don't feel like you have to have something or you have to avoid something because of someone else's agenda. Mm-hmm. You just brought up holiday party. And I know right now we are recording this the week before Christmas. Many people are saying, well... Sally, you know, shoved her plate of cookies in my face and I felt like I had to have one because, you know, she made them or, 
Aunt Sue is going to be offended if I don't eat three of her chocolate chip cookies or don't take them home with me or whatever it might be. Remember that your goals are not or should not be dictated by other people's agenda. And it is okay to have boundaries and say no, no, thank you to things that don't serve you if you don't want it. Okay. So we're not talking about, you know, if there is something that's worth it to you, give an example. I'm going to a surprise party on Sunday bringing a cake from the place that made our wedding cake. It is phenomenal. I'm going to have a small piece of cake and I'm not going to have any guilt around it. Mm-hmm. Right. But if it was cake from Jewel Osco, nah, I don't, I can leave it. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Uh, I want something that's going to be more of a worth it. And that I want, yep. I have gotten past, which we can talk about later in another episode. I've gotten past pleasing people and putting things into my body strictly to please someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. So this is going to bring me into the next one. The next piece of advice that we want to give you, which is if you do binge or overconsume, one meal will not kill you. We have the, you know, Jordan Syed has this on his everywhere. You can't F it up. We are telling you right now, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, you cannot mess this up as long as you keep on track the next meal the next moment the next day even one meal will not kill you and i fell into this hard when i was you know in my really really competitive days with crossfit and restriction days like i was terrified of having a meal out to eat like Mm -hmm. how silly is that i was afraid to go out to eat with my husband because i was afraid that one meal untracked or one meal that was slightly over calories was going to kill me ruin your whole progress you know and I think that's a great segue to the cheat meal thing because yeah. there's a lot of questions around, do I get a cheat meal? And I really don't like this term because mentally, just what you said, that one meal that's untracked may spiral you and ruin all your progress. So what happens for some people who say they have this quote unquote cheat meal, most of the time that turns into a cheat day, maybe the cheat weekend, maybe mm-hmm. that you know goes on a little bit longer to a few days, a week, weeks turn into months. And you find yourself continuously on the the hamster wheel here, yo-yoing back and forth or just not making any progress because you're spiraling. So rather than looking at untracked meals as cheat meals, think just kind of relax, take a breath and look at it more of, you know, I get to go and enjoy in moderation. Mm -hmm. I can have, you know, a steak instead of lean chicken and I'm going to be a little higher calorie, a little higher fat, but it's still food that nourishes my body. It's enjoyable. It's things I like. And sure, maybe you have a baked potato instead of a salad or steamed broccoli. It can be more of a refeed. It doesn't have to be an all out face plant. Yeah. Like the concept of cheat meal puts us in this restriction mindset again. Like I'm having a cheat meal because I restrict the rest of the week and I, I need this cheat meal to keep myself sane. There's a problem with that mindset. Like there is a severe problem if you feel like you are cheating with food. Like yeah. there's nothing that you're doing that's cheating, hopefully. No one out there. Don't don't be that guy. But there's nothing that you're doing that's making you cuz the concept of a cheat meal then makes you think I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. And even if this is subconsciously, this is still something that happens. Like I think of a cheat meal as Oh, I'm being so bad that I'm eating this. You're doing like, something wrong. Exactly. You're not doing anything wrong. Here's like perfect example. Tomorrow night, I'm going out to dinner with my husband and my sister-in-law and her husband. And we're going downtown to a really nice restaurant that's a nice steakhouse. 
I'll probably have some drinks. I'll probably eat some food that, you know, puts me over what I would normally eat in a day in terms of calories. I do not see this as a cheat meal. I do not see this as a setback. I see this as simply a special occasion. I am going to consume things that I don't normally consume because I'm in a situation that I'm not normally in. That you also have planned for. Exactly. Like, I've eaten my normal meals all week. I feel pretty good. Like, I will eat to fullness tomorrow. I will not eat to be on stuffing myself because that's another thing I think people do with cheat meals is they feel like they have to get it all in because it's their one designated meal that they think doesn't count because they're designated as a cheat meal. And so they overconsume. You eat to the point where you're literally hate yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've been so there. So uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable. Yeah. Like who likes that feeling? No one likes that feeling. Yeah. And so we tell you right now, do not think of food as cheating. You are not cheating on anything or with anyone. You are simply eating. Okay. So try to get the mindset of that cheat meal away, which I think segues in a good way to the next piece, which is not focusing on the scale. Yeah. I think the important piece here around the scale is so many people use it as the measure of success when in reality it is only one measure of success. So I want to repeat that again because I want this really to sink in. There are so many people that we work with that I know that struggle with the scale. And if the scale is not moving, that means they're not making progress. So again, I want to say it's one measure of success. It's not the measure of success. There are many other ways, most importantly, your photos, your progress photos, your inches. So getting a tape measure, measuring your chest, your hips, your waist, your leg, your arm, and you know, belt sizes or how your clothes fit and how you feel in your clothes. Confidence is a measure of success for me personally, how you feel When you put the clothes on, you know, are you rocking your skinny jeans that you haven't been able to wear in three years? If that isn't progress to you, then maybe you need to rethink your goals because sometimes the scale isn't always going to move and you just have to be able to look at the scale as the point of data instead of, you know, the only measure of success. And if I only lost five pounds, you know, that seems pretty minimal. You can put on five pounds just on a week of vacation between water retention and travel and all that type of stuff. So when you look at your progress, look at various measures of success and really take a holistic kind of view and make sure that you're tracking those things. So pictures, I wish I had more pictures Me too. in the beginning. I have pictures where I was just, I can remember those situations being unhappy, Mm -hmm. right? Like in the dress or whatever. I remember the feelings very vividly, but hell no, I was not putting on a bikini or a swimsuit (laughs) to take before pictures. And I wish I would have. I hated it. I hated bathing suit shopping. Oh God. Oh my gosh. Okay. So the next thing about the scale that I want to cover before we kind of move on to other pieces of advice is that. The scale can take away from mindset shifts and from habits. So Liz is talking about, you know, body composition change that happens without the scale, but that your body's still changing. I also want to cover mindset shifts because these are what drive long-term change and that sustainability that everyone wants. Like the concept that for a week, you didn't even think about stopping at McDonald's on your way home from work because you had things at home that you were going to cook for yourself. Even if you were hungry, even if you were tired, like... That's a mindset shift that you didn't even think about something that was constantly on your mind prior to that. 
Or maybe, you know, you planned on having a salad when you went out to lunch for work instead of normally always ordering like one of the most calorie dense food things on the menu. These are mindset shifts that are super important to your long-term progress. Or I had a client last week that they told me, you know, this week, even though I was tired, even though I was, you know, stressed out about the holidays, I still got to the gym every day when uh, two months ago they were barely getting to the gym. And so these are things that are habits that will carry you into a healthy lifestyle long term that you will feel good, look good, because changes do not happen overnight, people. And changes need long time. They need a lot of habits and routines to change to support them. And so I think the mindset shifts and under, like, I feel like the scale overshadows a lot of times Mm -hmm. the real changes that are happening in your habits and your routines because you're so focused on the stupid number on the scale like yeah and you know another way that you could measure this is the red x so if you have a calendar um, we talked a lot about this in a training i just did for emotional eating Um, every day that i didn't emotionally eat i got to put a red x on the calendar and your brain gets the dopamine high, like you feel proud, you're excited Mm -hmm. to write that red X on the calendar. And so tracking maybe your habits or things that you didn't do, if you Mm -hmm. currently, you know, have some really bad habits, if you're not doing those or you're breaking them, get a calendar, post it on your wall, write a red X there and let that be a measure of success. And then just stay off of the scale. Um, because there are many other ways, you know, that you can look at changing your lifestyle and again, focusing on getting the repetitions in, um, you know, some people, they do something for like two or three weeks and they feel like they've mastered it or they've yeah. conquered it. And That's it's, not. it's funny <laughs> because, um, you know, this morning I was just messaging my coach and saying, Hey, I need accountability around my water because I haven't been great at it lately. And I have a lot of reps with water, but sometimes Mm -hmm. little things that are very simple fall to the back burner and we just have to bring it back into light and bring it back to the forefront and move on, you know? So one thing that really helped me when I was kind of trying to disconnect from the scale in my journey was I would wake up and I would write down how I felt. Yeah. Um, so instead of jumping on the scale, I would write down, do I feel lean? Do I feel healthy? Do I feel energized? Do I feel rested? And if I felt bloated, if I felt, you know, tired, if I know I consumed something the day before that was making me feel a certain way, I didn't step on the scale. I knew it would probably reflect something that would only make me feel worse. And so what I would do is I would only step on the scale on days I felt awesome. And if the scale didn't reflect what I wanted it to, screw the scale. I feel great. So I was able to disconnect the number from how I felt. And so it helped me a lot to really like not care about the number because it didn't show how I was truly feeling. Yeah. I think it's so funny you bring that up because I know there's days where I have woken up feel really good, feel really lean. The scale is up on other days. I feel a little bloated or just Mm -hmm. real tired or whatever. And the scale is down and it's like, you know, neither one of these make any sense, (laughs) but, um, I love what you said about writing down how you feel, because if you decide how you feel before you get on the scale, hopefully it, you know, mm-hmm. it's easier for you to just brush that off. Like, okay, whatever the scale's up, but Hey, my pants fit better and I yeah. feel good. You yep. know, I know I've, I have, uh, shown some pictures before of when I did the anti-inflammatory diet, how much my body composition changed mm-hmm. yet. The scale only moved like two, two and a half pounds. Yep. And I would rather have my body change totally. 
you know, be stronger, feel mm-hmm. leaner, look better in my clothes, be able to wear a swimsuit, mm-hmm. than worry about any number on the scale. And I think a lot of this goes back to, you know, when we're little, we have certain numbers that maybe stick in our head because of what yeah. someone told us that we should weigh, especially when you go to the doctor, that's the uh, worst because they go off of the BMI scale. Yep. And, you know, even when I was pregnant, having uh, that doctor tell me, well, I'm like, why do I need to weigh myself right now? I'm obviously gaining weight. I'm growing a human inside of me. Okay. <laughs> you don't need to know that I gained five pounds in the past two weeks, lady. Well, I remember that day she told me, well, you're a bigger girl. Naturally, you should only uh, gain 10 pounds in your pregnancy. And what? I just, I just looked at her and thought she's absolutely crazy because she has no idea that I do have a lot of muscle and my body fat was pretty low. And so oh therefore... God. I should definitely gain, and I gained the appropriate weight, and I bounced, I hate the word bounce back, but, you know, I came home um, not crazy far off of where I was before I started. So I would say, you know, doctors sometimes will give you these numbers that are frankly just bullshit. Yeah. Um, Mamas, I gained 45 pounds. I felt amazing my entire pregnancy, and I ate lots of donuts. So... Don't worry how much weight you gain. There shouldn't be standards around pregnancy. Yes, that is one thing you all should know is that when it comes to pregnancy nutrition, we will talk about it so we're blue in the face, but Becca ate donuts and I ate cupcakes. Specifically, Molly's cupcakes. It's the best. I, I ate a lot of fruits and vegetables towards the end of my pregnancy when I felt decent enough to. I Outside of the cupcakes, I ate very, very yeah. well. But yeah. yeah, we had our things. So yeah. okay. okay. I want to go into sleep next because I think it... It helps kind of segue. We're creating segues like a boss, by the way. We're pros at this podcast thing. Um, so the whole thing about I, so when I wouldn't weigh myself on mornings that I didn't get a lot of sleep um, because I knew when I did not sleep well, my scale would reflect it. Um, I get extremely sensitive to lack of sleep. I get bloated. My rings don't fit. Um, my I don't go to the bathroom. I you know will fall asleep like trying to do work. I'm overly sensitive to not getting enough sleep. Um, and back in the day. I was all about that grind life. I still love to grind, but I was like, oh, I can I can survive on six hours of sleep or less. I just need to work harder. I need to eat better. Sleep doesn't matter. It's all about nutrition. It's all about exercise, sleep and stress. Really don't matter if those are in place. And dear Lord, am I wrong? I was so wrong. And I'm still fighting this. Like, like Liz was talking about, she texts her coach about water. My coach texts me about the fact that I've been complaining about lack of sleep for the past two and a half years, and I need to change something about it. Yeah. Um, sleep, you guys, is the underlying foundation of everything yes. else. If sleep and stress are not there, it does not matter what you are doing with nutrition and what you are doing with exercise, because they are blunted. They are blunted by the lack of sleep, your body's inability to recover, your body truly changes like in physiological ways when you get less than seven hours of sleep, which is the recommended minimum, meaning you need to probably be in bed for seven and a half to eight hours to even get those seven hours of sleep. Um, So when you don't get enough sleep, glucose responds differently in the body. So your insulin sensitivity changes. You tend to store fat easier. You do not burn energy the same. Your total daily, your total daily energy expenditure drops. So you burn less calories because your body basically is trying to hold on, hold on. It's everything. It's It's survival. You know, we're constantly feeling, especially these days, um, like we're being chased by a tiger or by a bear and that is fight or flight mode. So your body is stressed, right? And so when we don't sleep, 
that adds more stress, which throws off, you know, all of the systems in your body, your hormones and your body's number one job is to survive and to keep homeostasis. It's mm-hmm. going to chase that. So yeah. why does it downregulate some of these uh, systems is to help essentially offset the extra stress that's being placed by not mm-hmm. sleeping and not resting and not repairing itself yeah. because sleep is our best recovery. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, if you're someone who has shift work, uh, you work overnight, it's really important. We will link out a video that we've done on sleep and we'll do a whole podcast on this as well because sleep does disrupt a lot in the system, but we want to help you at least maximize um, things in your life to maintain what you have. So if you are a shift worker, right, there are things that you can do from your sleep environment to your, you know, routine on days that you're not working to kind of help regulate and keep the schedule and keep some sort of normalcy. Yeah. Um, Because obviously with shift work, that's a little bit hard to control because that's your job. That's your livelihood. Mm -hmm. But um, we'll hammer home this topic in another episode with some tips. I just did a live video on it last night. I know you just wrote that blog. So yeah, sleep is of utmost importance. If you do not do anything else, make sure you are sleeping. Um, which I'm sorry, I'm going to do it again. We have another segue, another way to transport to another reason that you need to know before you start your journey. Um, or if you're on your journey is intensity of exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I wouldn't get enough sleep, if I had planned the next day to do my CrossFit workout, I did the CrossFit workout, regardless of how my body felt. And I would, of course, get frustrated with how horrible I felt during the workout. I couldn't lift as much. I couldn't move as fast. My body just felt lethargic. Well, of course it did. I got five hours of broken sleep. And so now I have a rule that if I get less than six hours of sleep or if I have broken sleep, which is way too often these days with my child, um... I either do a walk in place of my exercise. So if I had planned an hour for exercise, I go for an hour long walk or I do something much lower intensity, like a bodybuilding session, something that's not getting my heart rate up, something that's not taxing my central nervous system as much because the stress on top of stress on top of stress is not what our body wants or needs for us to progress. Yeah. I mean, that's how we injure ourselves. That's how we get mm-hmm. sick. That's how, you know, you start to get nagging injuries and inflammation in your body because you're not taking the rest and recovery that you need to mm-hmm. repair. Um, it's so funny. You mentioned that you would just go in and crush your CrossFit workouts. I see a lot of people in the gym that you can see in their face, they're in pain, or yeah. you can see, you know, that they have imbalances and you're trying to correct that from mobility standpoint or by getting them to, you know, come in early just to do some foam rolling and some stretching. And, mm-hmm. and if they're not crushing their body, they're not exercising, but really there's a lot of other ways that you can burn calories besides just going and crushing a high intensity workout. Totally. So, you know, one real simple way, and this goes for anybody who is not in an exercise routine right now, first and foremost, I would just have you focus on your steps and how many steps you're getting in, parking your car further away from, you know, the door at the grocery store, taking the stairs when you're at work, whatever you can do to get more movement and activity in throughout your day. You don't have to go to the gym every single day. No. And honestly, like I tell people all the time, the hour of exercise that you're doing, even if it's super high intensity CrossFit, is probably only burning around 300 to 400 calories, maybe. Yeah. If you are doing that and then sitting at a desk all day, you would burn more calories in a day getting 10 to 12,000 steps 
and moving more and not doing that workout. Like it's, I'm not saying to not exercise, but the general daily movement has such bigger potential for overall calorie burn in a day. And here's the thing. It doesn't cause stress on the body like exercise does. So if you're already a super stressed individual, walking is super helpful to get the extra calorie burn without putting additional stress. And it's just better for you. Like we have become such a sedentary society. We sit all day. Like listen, I have been sitting for like four hours, but I feel it. I I feel it. My hips feel it. My knees feel it. I feel worse sitting all day than I do from a tough workout. Like it's just, it puts such a damper on my body. And so it makes muscles tight, like all the things. And so we want you to understand that if you cannot exercise or if you just feel awful, don't force yourself to do it. Instead, do something low intensity, go for a walk, play with your kids more, walk up the stairs instead of taking the elevator. Like those little things add up long-term. So don't think, I, I totally used to think walking was stupid. I was make fun when people would yeah. tell me they walked for exercise. I was like, "Great for you." Yeah. I do CrossFit, and now I'm like totally the person that walks for exercise. <laughs> well, I think it's because we got ingrained into this. I have to hit the gym hard every day, and you know, I know you and I both have talked about this at different points in time, but almost having this guilt around taking a day off from the gym totally. and. The reality is rest days are more important than your workout days, especially Mm -hmm. if you're training intensely. And if you're training for strength and you're really pushing yourself, you are going to progress faster if you take rest days and you sleep adequately than you will trying to just go in and squat this deadlift this. And then two days later, you're trying to hit another PR and and you don't have enough recovery time. Those rest days are when you produce the most HGH. The sleep is when you produce the most, like you need that human growth hormone for your body to be able to recover, get stronger. You need the fuel from calories, all of that. So please, please, please take care of your body, sleep enough, get your daily movement in. It's going to, your body's going to thank you for it. And I think we saved the best for last. The one thing that you're that you need to know before starting this journey or before being on this journey for too long, calorie restriction cannot last forever, and it should honestly not last for very long at all. Um, you know, I, we have so many people that come to us that are chronic dieters that have literally been in a calorie deficit for what two years, three years, longer. Yeah. And are just, their body's broken. Like you can tell they're afraid of food. They're afraid of fueling their body. They're afraid of coming out of that calorie deficit because heaven forbid they gain any weight. Yeah. And so the calorie deficit is not the answer long-term. You need to eat food and you need to be prepared to go into a calorie deficit. And this is something that Liz and I are really passionate about is the periodization across a year, yeah. which I'm, I'll let Liz talk about a little bit because I know. Yeah, you know. well, we're, we have a whole other podcast that we are going to do about this. But I think it's really important if you think about your diet to think about it in seasons and phases that you're going to go through. Because mentally, it's taxing to have to track your food every single day and weigh and measure and be in a calorie deficit, right? When we're in a calorie deficit, typically, we don't feel as good as we are in maintenance because we're burning fat, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You're hungrier than normal. um, And there's just 
you know, other things that your body is doing and adapting to, to regulate itself. So we need to come out of that and we need to remind the system that, Hey, we're here to lose fat, but also to keep our health. And so we'll use different types of cycling, whether it is two weeks in a deficit, one week back up in maintenance, we might stay in a little longer deficit and then a longer maintenance, but we're basically going through some different seasons where we come into a deficit, we come out into maintenance, and then we might, depending upon the person's lifestyle or things they've got going on between trips and vacation or just mental and emotional things, we might stay at maintenance and focus on other pieces of, you know, the puzzle besides just calories and know that calories are only one piece of the puzzle. There's all the other things. And we'll talk about this, you know, more in depth as we go. But if you're somebody who just keeps dieting, 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 essentially your body is down regulating itself and adapting to try to find that homeostasis. And so where do you go when you're at 1200 calories and you're not losing weight anymore? You've plateaued, you go, you drop further, you eat, you know, less than a thousand calories. Like it's not sustainable and it's miserable. (laughs) And that's the thing is like being in a calorie maintenance is a great place to be. Like you shouldn't feel bad at calorie maintenance. I've been at a calorie maintenance now for probably like four or five months. I love how I feel. I eat enough food. I feel lean still. I feel good in my clothes. My workouts feel pretty good. I'm sleeping relatively well aside from my child. And when I was in a calorie deficit around, I don't know, maybe like six or seven months ago, I was in a calorie deficit cycling for two or three months. It sucked. I was eating 1,750 calories and I was starving and my workouts didn't feel as good, but it served the purpose that I wanted it to serve, which was getting me to a slightly lower body weight and feeling a little bit better in terms of my leanness because it was postpartum. I was ready at that time to kind of work towards feeling a little bit better and a little bit back to myself. Um, And then coming out of the calorie deficit, I kept my results. I'm maintaining and I feel just as good. Yeah, and some people when they come back up to maintenance, they actually find they lose weight. Yeah. When we reverse diets, you know, that's the the best part is when someone loses weight when we yep. reverse diet. Again, another episode that we'll link. But it's important that you can also see other measures of progress too, because I've been in maintenance right now. My performance in the gym is much better. I'm gaining strength. My body is still changing, even though the scale is not moving. Mm-hmm. But my goal isn't weight loss, right? So it's just important that you understand how your body is utilizing the food that you're giving it for fuel and to keep you feeling good and in optimal health. And so periodization is very, very important so that you don't just restrict, restrict, restrict calories and that down regulate and put your body under more stress Mm -hmm. um, because then you're chronically stressed, right? We already live in a world where we feel chronically stressed compared to, you know, what we felt like many years ago. But the last thing that I'll say here is along this journey, No matter where you are today in your journey, you got to give yourself some grace Mm -hmm. and just know, like Becca said before, like you can't F it up. Um, Whatever happened today happens today. Tomorrow you can be fully present, doing 1% better, taking the mindset 1% better every day. Don't let one, you know, bad meal or one cookie, whatever it is, spiral you completely off track. Um, give yourself some grace. You're human. You're going to have cravings. You're going to have times you don't make it to the gym. You're going to have times where you're not as disciplined as you would like to be. Um, and just know that everybody has those times, including coaches, including people that you see on Instagram, you know, the models and all of the influencers, 
none of us are perfect and therefore you shouldn't put the expectation on yourself to be perfect either. Yeah, absolutely. So just be a little bit kinder to yourself today. Know that you are doing your best. And if you aren't doing your best, make changes, make that little change in the next choice in the next step towards your goal. It can be one step at a time. That's all you got to think about. You don't have to think about three months from now. You all you have to think about is the next choice you have in front of you and making one that you'll be proud of. Um, and speaking of next choice, I'm really hungry. Yes. (laughs) And I think that Liz and I need to go eat some foods because we are all about eating food. I'm in maintenance mode. I am trying to lose any weight. Awesome. All right, guys, we will be back with episode three next week. We hope you have a wonderful day and shoot us questions. Follow us on Instagram, ellison.coach. If you have anything you would like us to cover, just shoot us a DM and we would love to chat with you. Have a great day.